I've been away, but I'm back. Back and ready to lock horns all over again with the demons and the devilers who are forever banging at the police locked doorway to this world, eager to come in and play. At least, I will be ready as soon as I have my morning shave. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 41st episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, and Sorcerer Supreme, six issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? It's going pretty good. All right. I have some strong opinions today. There's like... There's some there's some strong opinions to be had about this this uh, episode's slew of comics. You know, we've got new creative teams, and they're making interesting decisions. Um, I don't know if I agree with all of them myself, but let's get to that after we do just some quick fun Doctor Strange stories. Uh, starting with Marvel Comics presents nineteen from May nineteen eighty nine. So just so you know, Drew, like Marvel Comics Presents is this anthology comic that Marvel did. Right. It's uh, it's twice monthly, so we're seeing comics in this one for both. Um, for both, like we're we're looking at number nineteen and twenty, and they're both from May nineteen eighty nine. Okay. And in this case, it, they're bi monthly, and there's basically four stories in each one of sort of various sizes. Um. It's hard to sort of explain what the story, or to, to kind of do full recaps of the stories like we often do in anthology comics, just because, like, we're just jumping into the middle of some longer stories. Like, there's this, both Marvel Comics Presents have a, a Black Panther and a Cyclops story. I know how much you love Cyclops, Drew. Oh. <laughs> and, like, the Black Panther story is like part seven and eight of a twenty-five part story. So, like any part we have is like just a tiny snapshot of the story. And then the Cyclops story, we got like part three and four. So it's just also just like in the middle of the story. But like the Cyclops story involves like some secondary Sentinels and stuff. And the uh, the Black Panther stories involves looks like uh, like. Uh, you know, racists or neo, uh, you know, neo-Nazi militarist guys um, attacking the American homeland, and that's bad too. But luckily, Black Panther's here to fight him. <laughs> All right, well, that's good. It's yeah, just, you know, as long as this week doesn't end like a ma- on a massive bummer, like you know that one week where just everything was. Let's yeah, let's not go too far oh. into that. Um, but uh, the Doctor Strange story for Marvel Comics Presents 19 is called Nightmare in Suburbia Part 1. Home is where the heart is. <laughs> it's got it's, it's written by uh, Fabian Nichesa, I want to say. Uh, Mark Badger is the penciler and inker. Augustin Mass is the letterer. Uh, Robbie Bush and um, R- Robbie Bush is the colorist. And then um, Terry Cavanaugh is the editor and Tom DeFalco is editor-in-chief. So, this one's kind of a fun little, just like, Doctor Strange doing stuff story. Sort of starts with, like, a suburban housewife doing chores around the house. Doctor Strange flies in, disguises himself, and kind of, like, asks around about this one um, suburban place. Goes to the lady's house, and inside, well, she seems like a very chipper and nice housewife lady. In fact, the house is full of, like, 
demons and monsters and grossness, you know. She's like showing him around the house and like getting him coffee and stuff as he like zaps demons and notices that the house is full of like felt filth and excrement and fungus on the wall exhilarated by months of free rain and stuff. Man, I and really hope they're not renters because they're not getting the deposit back. It's really true. This is like real bad. You know, the uh, the uh, the family's son comes home and just starts turns into a huge puking demon monster, and the wife is like, "Like Bobby, like what are you doing? Why are you vomiting on our guest?" And he just goes full like crab demon, like "Let's party, Doc. Let let me eat your face," which is like. Just how you start parties, if you ask me. Dude, that's how I start all my parties. Oh, I remember. Yeah, you've been to a few of them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so this story sort of ends, basically, big wizard fight between Bobby, the face-eating uh, crab demon, and Doctor Strange. Strange manages to exercise the demon from Bobby, and sort of wonders, like, ah, oh, like the demon... The demonic power is really deep-seated in this house. Like, what could the source of it be? And as it happens, suddenly there's a guy comes... The, uh, the husband cuts like, Hi, honey, I'm home. Oh, I'm a big purple demon man. <laughs> and that's like the big like uh, cliffhanger for the end of this um, issue. It's it's just like a fun little, like, you know, Doctor Strange fighting demons in, in suburbia. I, I really appreciate it, you know? Fighting demons and doing house calls. That's right. Uh, the final story in in this one, uh, Marvel Comics Presents 19, is basically the start of the Damage Control comic book, which is a comic book that's basically about um, civil servants and insurance agents who deal with the aftermath of superhero of superheroics in the Marvel universe. Um, and it basically features like a guy giving an insurance pitch to uh, Josie of Josie's joint prominently featured in the dare in the, uh, in the Netflix Marvel universe uh, TV shows as and daredevil. Actually, uh, yeah. Uh, Damage control was actually featured in, I want to say, Oh yeah. They're the, in, one of the Avengers cartoons. Yeah. That wouldn't, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. They're a pretty long standing thing. Yeah. Um, but we sort of see Daredevil and this guy and this thug fight and the whole place gets blown up and then Damage Control shows up and replaces the whole bar in Toto and it's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. No, wait, no, no, no. It's the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. That's ah. Fun. Yeah, they're fun. they're kind of fun. Um, this is a fun, like, sort of comedy strip. I think it's also kind of, kind of neat just seeing, um, like, the actual Josie's joint just because it, 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 it is so prominently featured in, like, the Daredevil and Luke Cage shows and Jessica Jones show and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So, but that's Marvel Comics Presents 19. Good times. Yep. Let's go to Marvel Comics Presents 20, Ugh. which is the next one, also from May 1989. Yeah, all the covers for these, I feel like Drew is ugging because they're all these huge Cyclops covers. Yeah, it- <laughs> really just shows the state of things when they they have to put cyclops on the cover oh geez they're kind of coolly drawn though um the first one is sort of an early rob leaf uh uh liefeld and then this one's done by mike mignola who are both sort of you know classic comic book artists basically um the doctor strange story is you know nightmare in suburbia part two uh same creative team as last time uh fabian Nietzsche, writer, Mark, uh, Mark Badger, penciler and inker, August and Mass letterer, Riley Bush colorist, Ken, uh, Terry Cavanaugh editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. Um, 
And you know, basically, this is just a big wizard fight comic, basically. Um, <laughs> it's I, the, uh, I dig it. That yeah, it's great. cool. Um, like, like Mark Badger has a really like kind of rough, sketchy style, like sketch-like style that I think is really cool. He does a good job of sort of drawing this like demon husband guy who like incarnates a bunch of like you know demon bugs out of M and M's that Doctor Strange has to fight and just sort of you know just a lot of like sort of fighting around, shooting beams, casting flames at each other, stuff like that. It's fun. Um, right. It it ends with Doctor with Strange um, being able to save like the house. But not the actual, um, like, father of the family who has sold his soul to a demon. Instead, he's been uh, banished and killed and stuff, which is a bummer. But that's how it goes, you know what I mean? Yeah, can't all be, they can't all be winners. I mean, it's based, like, two out of three ain't bad. That's my motto when it comes to saving people from demonic possession. <laughs> uh, you know, after everything's kind of cleared out, the house doesn't look so bad. So maybe they will get that deposit back. Hey, like, there's one thing that Doctor Strange can help you with. It's dealing with your uh, landlord through magic. He's done it to his <laughs> own landlord enough times. <laughs> uh, the final story, besides the Cyclops and the um, and the Black Panther story, and this one is actually a Clea solo story. Ooh. Uh. Called at the bottom of my of my garden, uh, Peter Gillis writer, Ron Lim penciler, Jim Sanders the third inker, Todd Klein letterer, John A. Wilcox colorist, then Terry Cavanaugh um, editor, and Tom DeFalco editor in chief. The story is kind of like an interesting, just kind of slice of life story of uh, Clea, who's you know is now of course the uh, dark lady of the dark dimension or queen of the dark dimension. I don't know. I guess regent is the title. Sure. Master, whatever. Um, uh, Lord of all that she surveys. Right. Yes. I don't know how gendered the the, the, the the title goes, you know, but whatever. Yeah. She's the ruler of the Dark Dimension. And she's dealing with all the ruler stuff of having to sit in the big throne and then all the different, um, like, lords squabble that she's the ruler of sort of squabble and do stuff. And it's tough because generally... They're so used to being ruled by an evil overlord that now that they've got a non-evil overlord, they don't really know what to do with themselves, you know? Well, she just she just handled like the, her, all those problems the Norway the way I would is just cut everything in half. Ooh, nice the uh, yeah. Solomaic judgment of Drew. But um, so Clay go, basically goes for a walk, which takes her deep into the uh, unknown depths of the dark dimension, including. She eventually finds, like, a door that she's never seen before, and she it, it won't open. She blows it open, and inside she finds a garden that's long overgrown with a protective shield in the middle of it, like a big black ball, basically. She tries to open the shield and finds a big-ass dragon, and then she's got a wizard dragon fight, which is pretty, which is always awesome, for sure. Yeah, yeah. She ends up taking it down, and inside of the uh, protective shield, she finds like a uh, a, f- a single white rose growing. Um, which seems very nice, and just sort of maybe like I don't know, maybe it was a symbol that Dormammu couldn't destroy, so instead he just sort of locked away inside this garden or something. Mm. We see her sort of put it in a protective sphere, and then take it with her to sort of inspire her as she deals with these squabbling 
Lords of the Dark Dimension. Again, just cut everything in half. <laughs> you can't cut the rose in half, man. That'd kill it. Well, not the rose, but like, you know, all the things they're squabbling about. Okay, yeah, it's true. Good governance. <laughs> but speaking of uh, questionable governance, I suppose. <laughs> let's go to Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme number five from July 1989. Uh, it's the first part of the Faust Gambit. Uh, in a story called Sold Out. That's S-O-U-L-D. We've got oh, a new. I see what they did there. Yeah, so we've got a new creative team this month, Drew. Uh huh. It's um, Roy Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas as writers, uh, Jackson Guise pencil art, Jose Marzen Jr. with ink art, Janice Chang lettering, Bob Sharon colors, Ralph Macchio editor, not that Ralph Macchio, and then um, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. But what if it was? <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> so we'll recall so so Roy Thomas has written Doctor Strange before, right? He right. he's actually who the guy who took over for Doc for uh, Stan Lee when Stan Lee stopped writing Doctor Strange, like way back in the sixties. And then he was the guy who sort of helped Doctor Strange sort of ease into retirement when he was cancelled the first time in like nineteen sixty eight. And was editor-in-chief of Marvel during Doctor Strange's return in the early 70s. Mm. So he's got a good Doctor Strange, like, pedigree is what I want to say. You know, he's he, he, he's written the character on and off. He had a, like, like basically a falling out with editor-in-chief Jim Shooter in the early 80s and has been away mostly at DC and stuff the last, like, seven or eight years. But with DeFalco in... Now, uh, Roy Thomas has returned with his wife, Dan, and the two of them are now on the writing team for Doctor Strange. Um, also, Jackson Grease is in, and he's sort of got... He's got, he's got an interesting art style. I'd say it's like, you know, he's got a very realistic style, which, which is interesting for Doctor Strange. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more when we get to it, basically, about the way he kind of draws women and other characters that are very, like... Very makes him very interesting, and I don't know if I you know, super enjoy all of his choices for characters, I guess. Mm, right. Yeah, so, um, big thing, but there's one big thing immediately that um, Guise does that I really hate in his art style, Drew. Yeah. And, and that's that he um, seems to have moved where the white parts of Doctor Strange's hair are. Uh, why are they not on the side? Yeah, so like, you can see it even in the cover of this issue, which is drawn a very weird, like, um, sort of dotty style, and has Clay sort of kneeling right in the middle of Doctor Strange's crotch, which I'm also not a, a super fan of. What but, is happening? What especially, is happening here? I don't understand. But especially in like the, uh, in the main, like in the first page of this comic, Doctor Strange's, like the white parts of Doctor Strange's hair are coming off like a V from like the widow's peak in the front of his hair, as opposed to like being like wings on like the sides of his hair above his ears, like say a, a classic Reed Richards, or just sort of like, you know, maybe a more realistic kind of hairstyle thing. Now he's got kind of this like wing of hair, right of, of white hair right in the front of his head. Yeah, I don't like it. It's real different from how Doctor Strange has been drawn in any way previously, you know? Or 
since then, really. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to sort of stop doing it as as time goes by, but it's at this point, it's a real shock just in terms of like what this character looks like and stuff like that. Um, the other thing that's a big change is just the tone of the comic, like the way Roy and Roy and Dan Thomas write this story is really different than we've seen Doctor Strange be written. It immediately starts with the as a with a first person narration, like what you read at the start of this comic. We aren't um we haven't really seen a lot of first person narration for Doctor Strange. No, you know, really. We we aren't really inside his head that much, which is an so it's a it's a real big immediate change for just how he how the story starts out, and then Doctor Strange is like cracking jokes and stuff. Like, okay. we see him sort of start his narration. He's sort of talking about how he's kind of back in the saddle after all of his stuff with like losing the artifacts and going evil and all that stuff. Now he's kind of getting back into things. He talks about how he's been lifting weights, so he's more muscular. And we see a definitely get a, a super buff Doctor Strange in the opening parts. Um, oh, yes. Shirtless Strange. Yes. And he kind of walks up to the mirror and being like, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who needs a haircut worst of all? You know? Uh-huh. And then immediately confronted by a giant skull in the mirror saying, your days are numbered, Strange! Your hours are numbered! I don't see how this is weird. Uh, this is how my mirror treats me in the morning, every it's, morning. It's pretty regular, for sure. Uh, you know, he yeah. sort of zaps the mirror, and then suddenly, like, Clay appears in it instead, which is just like, hey, like, what, what are you doing, Steve? And he's like, oh, sorry. Just freaking out, I guess. Uh, never mind. Thing in the mirror. I don't know. <laughs> so, but she sort of says, like, there's still some kind of like weird mystical stuff going on with you, so you should be careful. Basically, she sort of sends him a warning, mm-hmm. and he starts to heed the warning. And the connection breaks off, um, and then like uh, Wong and Ime, his uh, fiance, come barging into Doctor Strange's bathroom because they heard the glass break. And Strange just tries to laugh it off as being like, "Oh, uh, I'm still in problems with the death perception because of my um, eye patch or whatever." <laughs> And they're like, okay, Doctor Strange, Like, if you don't want to tell us about the demonic forces currently menacing you, I guess we'll let it go. It was a, it was a shaving accident. <laughs> exactly. You're cursed. But, uh... Cursed. <laughs> but so, 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 so Stephen wants to sort of talk, or, or needs to talk to uh, Sarah Wolf, and, and ends up, you know, getting dressed and flying out to basically catch her on the way to the Stephen Sanders Memorial Institute, essentially. You know, standard stuff. He catches up with her. They start talking. Mostly he's just sort of talking about um, how how he's planning on, re- on re-revealing himself to the world, I guess. Like, figuring out a way to do it that's not going to mess everybody up. What with the fact that, you know, he's, he had a nationally televised funeral and things like that. Well, you just kind of restore everyone's memory and then just say, uh, my bad? If only it were that easy, Drew. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who'd have thought that brainwashing the entire Earth into thinking that I was um, dead and then uh, um, also creating the physical manifestations of that death in the form of funerals with videographical evidence would be such a headache to undo. Uh. Or, there's another option. Yes? He could put on the blue mask. 
Um, anyhow, so we're at this, the uh, Doctor Strange, the uh, Stephen Strange Metaphysical Institute, where apparently they're basically devoting themselves to finding a new magician to be the next Stephen Strange. They found some guy who seems to be pretty good at guessing cards, but Doctor St- but uh, Doctor Strange, who is apparently jealous and kind of a jerk, decides to immediately debunk him as a fraud, as having like a uh, a small computer in his lapel that lets him like calculate card percentages and stuff, and sends him packing. Um, Sarah Wolf now humiliated because she thought that this guy was a pretty good option and Doctor Strange just one-upping him immediately uh, tries to have like a we need to talk with Doc- with uh, Stephen with, with Doctor Strange and Strange just blows her off immediately it's like see you back at the house alright I gotta go <laughs> on the way out he uh like hears some lady muttering muttering to herself about like being careful or something and he's like, what'd you say? And she's like, I didn't say nothing to you. And he's like, okay, now I'm getting warnings from Brother Voodoo's maiden aunt or something like that. I don't know. Are, but Are, are they going to introduce Brother Voodoo? No, no, no Brother Voodoo. Just, uh, oh, just okay. he assumes that like he, there was a black lady who was warning about something and she seemed to have a, a Haitian accent, so she's obviously related to Brother Voodoo. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Me, I think he's just making a joke, but it's still like whatever. Along the way, he passes the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which has a bust of the god Thoth, and uh, Thoth talks to him as well, sort of talking to him about stuff. Thoth speaks entirely in Egypt puns. Like, uh. what's wrong? You want your mummy, for instance? A penny uh. saved is a penny earned. Oh! Uh. Ready to cry, uncle? Oh! Uh, I I need to leave the podcast now. The, the the basically what I'm trying to say is that we got a new creative team and they've they're deciding to be kind of wacky as things are going on. Strange continues on to Central Park and in Central Park gets grabbed by giant monstrous hands. He starts to freak out, but buddy, it's just Ventra. He's back. Oh dang! And bigger than I remember. <coughs> Listen. I hope you like giant green minotaur wizard apprentices because this is because we're setting up the new status quo for Doctor Strange and Rincher's definitely a part of it. I'm in favor heck, of it. I like. Heck yeah, I do. Yeah, Rincher's pretty dope, man. Um, you know, I'm generally a big fan of the of this previous run of of, of, of like the Peter Gillis run. With everything getting destroyed and Rintra and Eyepatch Strange and all that stuff, that's all cool. I'm down with yeah, that. That's, that's super rad. Yeah, uh, Roy Thomas definitely agrees bringing back um, Rintra to. He's basically the next step in his training is to become is to uh, stop working for Enthramon the Weaver and start working for Doctor Strange as his apprentice and then disciple. So the pair of them start to make their way to the Sanctum Sanctorum. They have some trouble getting through just due to weird mystical barriers. Things they finally do arrive. Um, Doctor Strange makes a reference um, that how like he keeps trying to find this hostile spell that's been messing with him all day, and it keeps suddenly withdrawing, like Lucy pulling away the football just as Charlie Brown tries to kick it. <laughs> and a voice appears from off screen, basically saying like Doctors like Stephen Strange. Are you making a peanuts reference? 
Like, come on, buddy. What happened to, like, the wants of Watum and the vapors of Valtor and stuff? Like, you're gonna... Yeah, man, you used to be better than this. ...up your rhetorical game. And who could deliver such a cutting burn? <laughs> None other than Baron Mordo. He's back! Oh, yeah. <laughs> the sickest of burns. Hey, it's always your... It's the people who know you most... That are the most able to burn you. That's true <laughs> of so many things. I think we all can agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Been a long time since we've seen Mordo. Uh, they say, yeah. yeah. Like since 4950. Honestly, it was the last time we saw Dormammu, too, who just came back. They both got messed up in that time travel debacle uh, to World War II when we fought the Nazis and stuff. Right. But Mordo's back and he's super powerful. Um, Doctor Strange tries to. Tries to uh, fight him off, but Mordo basically kicks his, kicks his butt magically, like a lot. Uh, sends him flying around. There's a lot of good... The one thing, or one thing that Thomas is really good at is, um, the ri- is rhyming spells, which we've been... We've moved away from recently, but I, I really appreciate, you know? I welcome the return. Yeah, by the shadowy shades where the ru- uh, which rule the black of night. Let Valentine's fire now pierce you with a thousand points of light. Which Good. is also a uh, George Bush reference. Uh, <laughs> George H.W. Bush reference, of course. <laughs> 1989, you know, it's of its time. Right. Um, <laughs> but... Strange is really like having trouble against uh, 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 Mordo. I mean, it's it might partially be based on his lost um, accoutrement, magical accoutrement, but also Mordo is just super powered up. And eventually, once sort of after the as the fight wears on, and finally Doctor Strange sort of finds himself beaten up at Mordo's feet, Mordo explains what's going on. Which is basically that he's sold a, he's sold a soul to a demon, not his soul, Doctor Strange's soul. Oh, dip. Yeah, and now he's going to deliver Strange in a sphere of containment. He holds it up, and it's kind of a marble-looking thing. He starts to cast a spell, which will basically uh, zap Strange into the sphere of containment. As he does, and, you know, again, Mordo's super powerful because he's sold his soul to, de- to, the, to this demon, and so he's, Strange is pretty outclassed. As he's being sucked into the uh, sphere of containment, Strange begins a, a, a new spell by the great omnipotent Oshter, by Watum's wand forever cursed, by the power of Dark Dormammu, myself and Mordo be now reversed! Which is cool because it basically instantly swaps their places, and so then Mordo gets uh, zapped into this fear of containment instead of Doctor Strange. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> the problem, Drew, and this uh, is how we end the story this week, or or this uh, this is how we end this comic. There's two problems. One, yeah. it's not just Mordo in that sphere of containment. He apparently uh, saw this possibility coming and has trapped uh, Sarah Wolf's spirit in the sphere with him. That's some dirty pool. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So it's just the spirits in there, by the way. Dorm- uh, uh, Mordo's body is like lifeless, lying out there in Doctor Strange's uh, study, basically. But the important thing is that 
Um, now, straight Doctor Strange has a problem on his hands because Mordo didn't just, um, or Mordo is super duper powerful because Buddy he didn't just sell his soul. He or didn't just sell a soul. He sold his soul twice. Wait, what? Yeah, for ultimate power, he sold his soul to Satanish the Supreme, and then. He sold his soul to Mephisto the Awesome, or whatever. Uh. Mephisto doesn't really have a secondary name, but he sold his he sold his soul to two top um, Marvel Universe villains or uh, 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 demons. Question: Yo, how does one sell their soul to- sell their soul twice? I mean, I guess uh, they don't put a reserve on it. You know, it's like. Um, if you've ever had a lot of pro, if you've if you've bought um multiple things with the same money with with, with a credit with, with like a debit card, and then suddenly um, all the uh, all the debtors come in at once, and you and you become overdrawn, you know. <laughs> okay, it's I'm basically saying that he's he's writing some ca- cash that is a. Uh... His butt cannot check. Oh no, that's definitely true. He's definitely kiting soul checks. Um, and the answer is, and the other answer is, how does that work, buddy? That's what the rest of this episode's about. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, basically, though, he sold his soul to these two demons. They're going to collect at midnight. Uh, Rintra kind of comes to from Mordo's assault as as the bell tone tolls. And Doctor Strange is like, uh, you know, or Rintra comes to sees Mordo's beaten body and is like, ah, you beat Mordo, should I offer my congratulations? And Doctor Strange is like, not really. Uh, I'm expecting some visitors and they're not going to like what I've got for them. And that's how we finish Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme number five. It's cool. Also, how do you sell somebody else's soul? That's kind of messed up. I feel like he was gonna... He sold his soul, and then he figured... Like, Mordo sold his own soul, and then figured that when the time came to collect, he'd offer up Doctor Strange's soul, and then the two guy, And then the, the two demons would both be super stoked to get the Sorcerer Supreme soul, so they'd sort of forget about him, you know? Alright, so it's definitely a case of counting his chickens before they've hatched. Oh yeah, no, this is not a well this is not the most well thought out scheme by by Mordo. Maybe he figured that once he took out Strange he'd have ultimate control of the earth and could just kinda of be like, you know, fine, yeah, come take my soul. Like I control Earth, I'm super powerful or something. Oh, Mordo. <laughs> you know, this is this is what keeps him out of the big leagues, you know. <laughs> um so, we go to Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 6 from August 1989. Demonic Repossession. Roy, Th- Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas writers. Jackson Grease uh, pencil art. Jose Marzen Jr. ink art. Janice Chang lettering. Bob Sharon colors. Mark Siri, assistant editor and designer. Ralph Macchio editor. Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So, we start with... Um, with uh, Wong's fiance Ime meeting Rintra and being all freaked out about it. <laughs> I don't know. I think Rintra's pretty cool. Yeah, but she's also surprising when there's a big green minotaur showing up, you know? I guess. But the two of them are basically shown up for the morning and are like, ah, minotaur. Or she's like, ah, minotaur. And and uh, Wong starts kung fuing him until he recognizes uh, Rintra. I'll note sort of the the splat, like the opening page for this one, we see sort of 
how Greece is going to be drawing uh, Ime, and it's like it's way more sexualized than they were used to for this character who's been sort of a kind of almost a non-entity so far. Yeah, but like he, the way he kind of draws women is very like the like like they're very like fashion platey or like very like sort of pictures of women's fashions that have sort of been put in the page and stuff like you get a sense of it as time goes by it's a good looking style but i don't know if it's super appropriate for dr strange i don't know right like we'll sort of this is the first example but it's sort of not the last one as we'll see like later in this issue but basically um strange sort of recaps wong and ma about the situation and you know, he sort of talks, and he basically kicks everybody out because there's about to be a bunch of demons here, and he's going to deal with that on his own. Instead, so he he instead sends Rintra out to collect uh, Sarah's Sarah Wolf's body, probably from like the the institute or somewhere else, wherever it might be, because you know her like soulless body is now sort of lying, basically lying on the floor from wherever Mordo stole her soul. You know. Mm-hmm. And to help out, he suggests that he that uh, Rintra pick up Topaz, that that empath who we've, we've seen a couple times. Right, she's got healing powers and stuff like that. So Rintra heads out. Um, he starts disguising himself as a kid, like he did back when they were um, in Strange Tales and stuff. But he decides he needs to be more inconspicuous, or at least a a form that's better at hailing a taxi in the middle of a uh, New York City. <laughs> so he turns into Howard the Duck. All right. Oh boy. Uh, this does successfully uh, get him a taxi, however. And as uh, Rintra as Howard the Duck run, uh, leaves, the sons of Satanish blasts from the past show up at Doctor Strange's doorstep. They sort of zap their way in, and they're like, "What's up, Doctor Strange? We've come for Mordo's soul. Don't get in our way." Doctor Strange is instead like, "Ah, I saw you guys coming, uh, or I figured you guys would be here." Um, he calls, he uh, refers to them as a Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and then um, <laughs> triggers his defense spell, which is like um, basically he had a spell, he cast it ahead of time, and then keyed it to say the word word and then he's like all right like i won't make any i know you'll attack me if i start making some long-winded spell it's okay if i just say a single word oh that activated the spell and now you guys are flying through space oh geez (laughs) he totally planned ahead and then he just zaps the heck out of um the sons of satanish get out of here jerks you guys ain't nothing yeah as he does this however uh mephisto's represent representative shown up in this case it's mephisto his daughter daughter of mephisto who i guess in naming conventions is similar to satana you know who we saw previously sure but she's a little bit more sort of i'd say of a late 80s version of satana you know she's got like dreadlocks and like a weird purple worm tail and stuff like that way less midriff bearing i guess uh-huh and I don't know how all this bears bears out with the thing in, in Defenders we saw where all of the Marvel uh, Satans, like including Satanish and Mephisto, were all aspects of just plain Satan. I feel like that's been since been um, retconned as something else. Probably. Probably better not to worry about it. That was like 10 years ago. I mean, uh, the current Marvel hell is very, very different. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow, as this is going on, Rintra shows up at Topaz's, um, 
room at the plaza. He meets her, and she and Topaz greets Rintra basically just in her underwear. And we get kind of an extended, like, her putting on, um, putting on clothes in front of Rintra and stuff. Which, this part's for the fellas, basically. Uh-huh. It's kind of funny, because, um, like, I feel like they're... Uh, look, she tries to play coy and be like, hey, like, you're a crazy green bull man. Surely a human lady you wouldn't find attractive. But Rintra's, Rintra basically pulls a, uh, a data on her and says, like, actually, our species are very closely related and alien I may be, but I am most definitely male. And she says, <laughs> so I, dot, 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 notice. Which, man, that implied, there's a lot implied in that uh, ellipsis right there, Drew. That's all I'm going to say. I, I could say some things, but this is a family-friendly podcast. Especially when you realize that Rintra is, in fact, naked. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyhow, the two of them team up to collect the body of Sarah Wolf. As as a Mephista and Doctor Strange begin their wizard fight, you know, pretty good wizard fighting, I'd say. Oh, um, Mephista's pretty powerful, and like she kind of brushes aside a lot of Doctor Strange's moves. Like you know, she's not super affected by the uh, Crimson Bands of Sidorak, and uh, breaks through his shield of the Seraphim and all that stuff. Um, he tries to do to delay her by asking for her origin story, and she basically says no, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, at the same time, the sons of Satanish sh- show back up, but they've done like a uh, Dragon Ball Z super merge and incarnate as actual Satanish. Who I don't think we've seen at, who we've seen before in a long time, at least. Yeah, we haven't seen Satanish in a bit. And he's actually taken a lot of, um, I think, a lot of cues from uh, Typhon from, you know, that extra dimensional episode that we might may or may not have been involved in. Uh, what are you talking he's, about? He's a big green guy with a lot of mouths going on, basically. Oh, man. Big mouth creature. That's awesome. Yeah. But so he's got a big chest. He's got like a main mouth and a big chest mouth with its own chest eyes and stuff. And... Doctor Strange is basically like, oh, God, you know, I can't stand up against actual Satanish. This is ridiculous. Satanish basically uh, comes in, kicks everybody's butt, um, snags the sphere of containment with Mordo and Sarah Wolf in it, rips a hole in reality, and walks off. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Uh, uh, Mephisto shows up and is basically like, oh, like that's, you know... You couldn't have beaten Satanish, my dear daughter. Like, you're just, you know, a kid, and Satanish is the, is the real deal. Meanwhile, I'm here, and I'll get him back. But first, I think it's just about time that Doctor Strange stopped being out and about. So he locks Doctor Strange in his own sphere of containment, and is basically like, alright, I'll eat your soul later, Doctor Strange. First, I gotta fight Satanish for this soul that's, for this other soul that's owed me, the soul of Mordo. Doctor Strange tries to stop him, basically saying, like, hey, wait, but, you know, for you to get to Satanish's realm to get Mordo's soul back, you'll have to pass through Earth, and the two of you fighting, like, might, could destroy all of Earth in the crossfire. And Mephisto's like, might, I'm going to destroy the heck out of Earth. (laughs) 
Ask me if I care. I don't. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm literally Mephisto. I'm like the devil. You know? <laughs> so, Mephisto basically leaves Doc... You know, does... Mephisto is a classical villain, and thus, after explaining his plan to destroy the Earth, just leaves Doctor Strange alone inside a sphere of containment, unguarded. No, 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 that's the way this works. Yeah. Um, so on his own, Doctor Strange is in this big, is in this bubble that's not not enough room for him. When he tries to cast spells, they just bounce around and don't really do anything. Eventually, he remembers that he's still got one thing left for him to do, and that is meditate on his amulet. Make it grow into a big ol' amulet and travel inside to the realm of Agamotto. Which we remember like from the, uh, where where, like the caterpillar is from that separate reality thing where he went when he died, when when Silver Dagger killed him. It's been a while since we've been here. This is, yeah, this is like the start of like Doctor Strange's own story in like the early 70s basically. Like to the point where traveling to an alternate dimension and finding a hookah smoking caterpillar like, made sense as a part of contemporary culture because everybody was on LSD at the time. Right, <laughs> now, now it's like, okay. Now it's like a, now it's a weird throwback. When that, in fact, happens, Doctor Strange goes through the portal of his, of his amulet and travels to an alternate dimension where there is a green caterpillar smoking a, smoking a hookah, being all like, Doctor Strange, what kept you? Dun-dun-dun! You've been gone for so long, you don't call, you don't write, it's almost <laughs> like you don't care. It's literally been like 17 years <laughs> since that storyline, <laughs> I think. Um, after that, in uh, Doctor in um, Sorcerer Supreme number 6, we get a second story in this comic. Oh. Which is basically like, I think they were worried about um, Jackson Grease being able to, to, fit, to, to make his deadlines, essentially. So, they did this secondary story with a different artist, um, and they just call him the Book of the Vishanti. So, this is the Book of the Vishanti, the Mordo Chronicles, Part 1. Roy Thomas and R.J.M. Lossifer, writers, Tom Sutton, artist, Joe Rosen, letterer, Christy Scheel, colorist, and Ralph Macchio, editor. Um, this is a pretty cool story, I'd say. It's, ba- it's the, uh, the long-awaited, I'd say, Baron Mordo origin story. Just about his family and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. It's cool. So it starts with um, his like with Mordo's dad, who is this Baron in um, you know Romania or in a Transylvania, I should say, at the end of the first wo- of the First World War, saying like, "Hey, I will, um, you know, enough of this modern stuff. I'm going to use gypsy magic to uh, you know harness." power and become a new feudal lord of all Europe. See if I don't. At the same time, in Bavaria, a, uh, a German guy, Viscount Heinrich Crowler, who, you, who I think, you know, when we, went, when we went back in time, the last time we saw uh, Dormammu and Mordo in that World War II story, this was one of the Nazi magicians that was preparing for a big sacrifice in England and Mordo's grandfather. So basically, he's here in like Weimar, Germany, unhappy with the state of the Germanic people. But he's and he's no, and he's heard of um, the advances in magic that the Baron Mordo in Transylvania is making. So basically, it's time to strengthen the mystical powers of his own bloodline. He sends his beauteous daughter, 
uh, Sarah Crowler to Transylvania to marry the um, Baron. And together, soon afterwards, they have a son, a strapping young boy, Carl Amadeus Mordo. That's a heck of a name you got there. Hey, it's cool, buddy. So, Mordo grows up largely um, ignored by his parents. Like, his mother is distant and just sees him as an instrument of future power. And his father is consumed with um, blood magic. You know, sacrificing all the virgins he can find in the countryside, basically, as the villagers get more and more pissed. Because it's like, hey, didn't we used to have, like, daughters at all? <laughs> it's like, no, by the way, I need more, I need more, <laughs> I need more virgins. We gotta sacrifice them all. <laughs> uh, and, like, Mordo's mom basically, like, you know, complains to her father, Mordo's grandfather, that basically, like, you know, his plan is to restore, like, a Carpathian feudal kingdom with this magic, and that won't do if we're going to restore Germany as a magical power, basically. Uh-huh. And so using his power, Mordo's mother killed Mordo's father with magical ability and stuff. Then just the t- does just she just as Sarah continues to raise Mordo, she kind of brings Mordo back to Germany, where Carl learns under Heinrich, under his grandfather Heinrich various magical stuff. You know, gets deep into the magic until finally he overhears one day his mother and grandfather talking about how his father was a fool who wanted a perfect feudal world and they killed him and he swears revenge magical revenge the best kind drew yeah the best kind <laughs> all right so let's continue on to dr strange numbers dr strange sorcerer supreme number seven from september 1989 it's the uh, Faust Gambit Part 3, Agamato Monomore. Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas writers, Jackson Guise pencil art, Jose Marzen Jr., ink art, Janice Chang lettering, Max Shield colors, Mark Siri, assistant editor and designer, uh, Ralph Macchio editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So it's Doctor Strange and the uh, Caterpillar. Oh, high on um, hookah things and stuff. At this point, we actually learn the Caterpillar's identity. He's full-on Agamotto. Oh, shit. Like, of the eye of Agamotto. One of the Vashanti, etc. This Caterpillar is one of his many aspects. Oh, dang. Yeah, it's cool. He just kind of yeah. blurts it out right there on the splash page. It's not even like a big run-up to it and stuff. This is like, Yo, I'm Agamotto. What's up? Basically, I mean that's that's pretty much true. Um, so strange. So th- they sort of recap the story, and Strange is like, "Hey, so you got to help me get back to Earth, so I can pr- help it not be destroyed by these demon guys." And Agamotto is like, "Nah." Oh man, <laughs> I'm like, y- y- it's actually literally like you said at the end of last episode of of the last issue, Drew. Like he's bored. There's no one. There's no one here to talk to. The only person he has is Silver Dagger, who was crazy and is now. Um, after he came back for a brief period and was sent back into the Eye of Agamotto, has basically just become full-on like self-flagellating monk, essentially. 
Mm. And that's no fun. Strange is like, no, but seriously, I got to go back. And uh, Agamotto changes from friendly, nice caterpillar to scary murder caterpillar and says, you're not going anywhere. I like the first one better. Uh, Most do. Yeah. So, Doctor Strange and uh, Agamotto start fighting, basically, or prepare to. And it's tough because, you know... Agamotto is basically the guy who's in charge of a lot of Doctor Strange's big powers, you know? Yeah, this doesn't seem like the best fight to be picking. Like, you aren't going to do a good job with the using the amulet of Agamotto against Agamotto himself, you know what I mean? Yeah, fucking end well for you. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, you know... Mordo and Sarah are in bondage, are being um, held by Satanish, and Mordo's basically trying to talk Satanish into letting them go, or already letting them do, basically, like, fig, like, like trying to use all this supervillain charm to be like, hey, come on, let us go, let us figure stuff out, we can do stuff, and Satanish is basically um, no dice the whole time. <laughs> this kind of... Um, freaks out Mordo. He starts actually, like, crying, and it seems like Sarah's starting to feel bad for him, which, don't do that, Sarah Wolf. Jesus Christ. No, don't feel bad for Mordo. This is, like, a... This is a mess of his own creation. Like, I know people are... I I know when they're supposed to, like, bad boys, but this guy is too... It's not just evil, but also bad at being evil. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Meanwhile... Fight between uh, Strange Nagamoto's wor- uh, wearing on. We also figure out that yeah, like you know, you can't call him the Vashanti when you're fighting Nagamoto, dude. He's one of the Vashanti. Like you're messing up. <laughs> and like Ashtar and Hogoth aren't going to help you, man. Those guys are slackers. <laughs> we find out. <laughs> yeah, what you, you've been calling on all them. Guess who it's been? This guy right yeah, here. Exactly. I'm the pointing at myself right now for people who can't see me. <laughs> right. So. Basically, <laughs> well, with one thing and another, there's messages going back and forth between Satanish and um, Mephisto. They're yelling at each other and calling each other out. And they're basically like, hey, you know what, bro? How about we fight? Yeah, like, let's fight. Okay, wh- where do we fight? Well, I guess Earth is the closest place between us, so let's fight there. All right, bet. So they've basically done uh, that meet me at Temecula thing, but in this case, Temecula is just Earth. Anyhow, <laughs> so the demons are preparing to the demons are preparing to fight on Earth. Doctor Strange is starting to fight. Um, is, is is finally figuring out some guys to call on to fight um, Agamotto. He calls on like um, like he goes for a super spell of like by Valentine and Alcon an icon and Dark Valtor by Seraphim Danak and Ragador. By Dormammu, Watum, and Sidorak, Agamotto be hurled back. Which works for a second, but then Agamotto comes back as a crazy cyber caterpillar, and that's not good at all. Nope, that's all bad. (laughs) And he's out of things to swear by, which is, like, even worse. So, basically, as um, Strange starts to escape, or tries to escape and figure out a... uh, way to fight Agamotto, he ends up just sort of like managing finally to like talk some sense into Agamotto. Like, listen, alright, 
let me save the earth or he tries to uh, convince Doctor Strange to save the earth like let me save the earth and I'll come back and Agamotto's like no way buddy like look things are going bad for Doctor Strange Agamotto goes becomes a caterpillar and turns into a butter into a moth and keeps fighting Doctor Strange it's awesome (laughs) Meanwhile, um, Rintra and Topaz have found Sarah Wolf and bringing her, bringing her body back to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Rintra's taken on the uh, look of a uh, Clark Gable and just basically speaking in um, Gone with the Wind uh, quotes as they kind of carry Sarah Wolf's um, prone body back to the Sanctum. They get back just in time for the Sanctum to momentarily take up, take off from uh, its foundations and then land again, which happens more than a few times, honestly. The Sanctorum, you gotta be ready for it. I, I just want to, like, throw out there that I love the fact that they're weakened at Bernie's burning uh, Sarah Wolf body around, full on, just carrying this. Like it seems like they've ma- they've magically made her be able to stand up like a Barbie doll, basically. But they're definitely sure. just dragging around her corpse. Essentially, this is, this is, this is absolutely weakened to Bernie's. Yes. So the fight with Doctor Strange and Agamotto, it's going bad. All right. All right. But Doctor Strange manages to find his one trump card, which is he threatens Agamotto's hookah. No. He bought that Yo, special man. from eBay, dude. <laughs> Yo, man, don't don't mess with the man's stash. Not cool. Uh, luckily, or this seems to work. Agavado's like, listen, don't destroy my stuff. Um, that's my my omnivisor, and I need it to be all seeing. That's what it is in my name. All right, but. So this is apparently the hidden trick that Doctor Strange needed to do. Agamotto relents and lets him go, and does basically the biggest BS I've ever seen in my life in like comic books. All right, basically, uh-huh. he reveals that the hookah is basically the advanced form of the eye of Ag- of the orb of Agamotto, that big uh-huh. circle thing that Doctor Strange has been has used to scry in one of the artifacts that he destroyed during the fight with Earthona. Doctor Strange is like, hey, you know, if you if that's like the final one, do you have any more orbs of Agamotto lying around? I could definitely use some. And Agamotto's like, oh, well, you could just have the one you used to have back. Doctor Strange is like, uh... what? And it turns out that when Doctor Strange destroyed all of his junk, apparently he didn't actually destroy it. Agamotto at the last minute snagged it and stashed it here in this extra dimensional plane. So he gets all of his stuff back. The Book of Agamotto, the Darkhold, the Scrolls and Wand of Watum, the Purple Gem, the Book of Ibon, all that stuff. The status quo has been returned to Doctor Strange. <laughs> uh... All the uh, all that fun stuff about um, his having lost all of his talismans and having to reseal everything, that whole storyline where he was depowered and had to figure things out, all for naught. All fixed. Great. Also fixed is Doctor Strange returns back to um, Earth through a secondary exit in this uh, dimension. He takes off his eye, patches eyes back. What? <laughs> That's right. We flash back to Silver Dagger, all, uh, all monk-like back in Agamotto's... Um, Reality, uh, uh, Silver Dagger gave up his eye, gave it to Doctor Strange. 
uh, were fully reset buttons successfully pressed for Doctor Strange. He's got all of his junk. He's got both eyes. Last maybe five, maybe four years of the comic basically hasn't happened. Oh, boy. I don't like it, I gotta say. I don't, I don't like it either. I really like that storyline of like the all the Peter Gillis stuff in Strange Tales and Doctor Strange going evil and paying consequences for it and stuff. All that stuff was real neat. Yeah, um, that was super awesome. Yeah, Roy Thomas not interested in it that much. Apparently. Undone. I, I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. Yeah. <sighs> what are you going to do, I guess? But that's sort of... Yes, we're basically back to status quo for Doctor Strange. Just in time for Agama, for uh, Mephisto and Satanish to appear, Godzilla style, above the above the skyline of New York City, about to duke it out for control of of a Mordo and a Sarah Wolf's soul. That seems bad. I mean, you know, it's bad if you like Earth, I guess. I'm kind of <laughs> partial to it. Yes. I mean, it's where I keep my stuff, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Anyhow, with that cliffhanger, we go to the Book of the Vishanti, the Mortal Chronicles Part 2. Roy Thomas and RJM Lossifer writers, Tom Sutton artist, Joe Rosen letterer, Christy Scheel, um, or I, I, I believe is colorist, although it's blank in this comic book version that we have, um, and then Ralph Macchio editor, Tom DeFalco editor-in-chief. So, uh, you know, it's like 1918, or no, no, a few years after, Early early 1920s, uh, we see Heinrich Crowler, Mordo's uh, grandfather, chumming around with young Hitler, which is always a good time. That's fun. And um, we sort of skip ahead to 1939, where a young Mordo is being dispatched to Tibet to serve under the Ancient One. And, you know, after sort of talking him through, Mordo becomes, uh, begins training, learns his magical abilities... And um, in sort of the, and we sort of have the events, or at, at, at the same time that Mordo's training, and you know, saying like, ah, oh, but what about like the the dark magic of Dormammu? Surely that could be a cool thing to learn. And the ancient one's nah, like, no, man, don't, just don't. <laughs> don't, 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 don't do that, buddy. It's bad. It's like, are you sure? It's like, no, matter's closed. Ah, oh, come on. As this is happening, um, we get the time paradox of Crowler and his um, and his guys sort of trying to summon Dormammu in England and then failing because future Doctor Strange shows up um, with aid from future Dormammu and future Mordo and stuff. It's complicated. <laughs> See those relevant issue um, episodes. But basically, uh, Crowler, Mordo's grandfather, is defeated and confined to a wheelchair, basically, with them now at their weakest. This is Mordo's chance to strike. He um, he teleports away from the Ancient One's base and basically uh, magically sacrifices his mother and grandfather to the Dark Lords. There's actually... There's actually... Yeah, there's a real crazy section where you see the insane face of Mordo basically having a crisis, not if he's going to sacrifice his mom and grandfather, but who he's going to sacrifice his mom and and grandfather to. Like, it should be Dreddormammu or Satanish, call the Supreme, 
or the pre-human entity known as Shumagorath, or perhaps even Mephisto come hot from his own fiery Hades. There's so many possibilities. But at the end, he chooses Dormammu. You know, that was his safety, his safety demon, and the one that he went with, you know? Yeah, I'm so sad that he didn't get into his preferred demon, though. <laughs> Actually, no, maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe Dormammu was. Maybe, maybe Mephisto's the safety demon, you know? Oh, okay. And, like, he just sort of applied to Dormammu on a flyer, and he got that fat envelope, and he was like, oh, man! And, and we all know that uh, Shumagorath is the, is the party demon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a t-shirt now. It's gotta be. <laughs> Shumagorath's a party demon, man. You weren't serious about your demonic studies. <laughs> Anyhow... Dormammu sacrifices his his, uh, his mom and his grandfather to Dormammu, um, and it's like, hey, good times, time to go back to the ancient one and act like nothing's happened. The no, ancient, nothing weird here. The ancient one, meanwhile, uh, has noticed something has happened, and thus it's time for he's got to train an even greater sorcerer supreme, or an even greater sorcerer just just to deal with the fact that Dormammu is here and all crazy. Um, which leads decades later to a certain car crash victim looking for hand help. You may know him as Dr. Druid. No, wait, Dr. Strange. (laughs) 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 And that sort of takes us to the start of um, the Dr. Strange origin story. You know, it's cool. Who? Exactly. But I like the <laughs> I like um this Mordo backstory. It makes him super evil, you know, but No, it makes him like like even more evil than he ever was. It gives him some very previously. Yeah, but it gives him some very interesting like reasons for being evil, you know? Right. Like so far until this point Dr. Uh, uh Mordo's motivations have basically been like listen, like my name is Mordo, I wear green. That's basically all my motivation for being evil, you know? I'm a baron, I'm from Transylvania. What do you want from me? <laughs> this sort of gives him some motivation and just some like, hey, like yeah, this is a guy who came from a place and sort of has ideas, reasons for being evil, you know. It's a guy from a place and he's just evil. Yeah, there. well, Done. I mean, Back the place, the place he's from is post World War One Germany, which, to be fair, is a pretty good track record for creating evil people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can I can think of five or six evil dudes from there, <laughs> you know. I- I'm having some difficulty thinking of any evil dudes. Whoa, okay, Drew. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Please, please do not even... Uh, uh, you, you fell into my trap with your flippancy. Okay, let's go to Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 8 from October 1989. Uh, the Mephisto Waltz with satanic, with satanish verses. Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas writers, Jackson Guise pencil art, Joe Marsden Jr. ink art, Janice Chang lettering, Max Shield colors, Mike Rotswitz, assistant editor, Ralph Macho editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So, uh, like, I'm so glad that Mephisto and Satanish are having, you know, taking this time to get to know each other. As they, yeah. For sure. As they do, everything is going crazy in New York City. Uh, the the dead are rising from their graves and nagging their still-alive sons, which is kind of crazy. Uh, 
You never call. You never write. It's literally what happens. Uh, Why don't you think of your father? Geysers of blood erupting from the sewer systems. There's millions of cockroaches coming out of hiding and going crazy. Hordes of rats emerging from every nook and cranny in the cities. Just I say that this is like New York going crazy, but I don't know. This seems to be pretty. Hey, man, this is like late '80s New York City. It's cleaning up a little bit, you know. Jeez. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Rintra and uh, Topaz are basically sitting in each other's laps looking at, like, um, over Mordo and um, Sarah Wolf's body. These guys seem intimate in a way that's kind of freaking me out a little bit. Uh, yeah, this is a little weird. <laughs> meanwhile, Mephisto shows up and is basically like, hey, like, you guys are jerks. I'm Mephisto. I'm awesome. Uh, here comes my dad, and he's going to settle your hash. Oh, I'm here to destroy these guys' bodies because they aren't coming back. All right, that's my move. Um, just the last minute, Doctor Strange shows up and kicks Mephisto out. This is basically their chance to rematch from issue six. Now that Doctor Strange got out, has all of his junk back, and he's and full- also his eye. Yeah, now that he's fully eyed. We basically he doesn't have problem with depth perception anymore. It's, great. it's true, and he basically immediately like crimson bands of Sidorax are up. Like now, I'm the one who's cool. And we just basically see that um, Strange is all of his stuff back, and because of that, he's super powered. Meanwhile, uh, Sarah and uh, Carl, you know, Mordo are in uh, the sphere. And, man, they're getting Stockholm syndrome or something like that. They're, like, hugging and stuff. It's real bad. You know? Don't, don't, don't. Sarah, what do you... Don't do this. Don't. Don't. He's quick to talk about how sad he is that his um, mother killed his father on orders from his grandfather. Surprisingly slow to talk about the fact that he killed them in a ritual sacrifice. Just don't, don't, don't. Sarah, what are you doing? Yep. Sarah, don't. Anyhow, Satanish and Mephisto start to fight. They fight in the classic demon way of puking on each other, which is pretty gross, to be it's fair. It's all Frank. It, really. Also, it's New York, so... <laughs> they, uh, they uh, in their puke... So, like, the usual people of New York can't see this actual fight going on unless they're psychically gifted. They just see flashing lights and stuff. But apparently all of this demon puke is also causing a huge rain of frogs to land on the uh, streets of New York City. And justifying all the crazy people with the end is coming signs. Hey, now they've changed their signs to be the end is here, which is pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, the two demons are fighting. Doctor Strange has an idea. He's going to figure it out. Basically, it goes like this, all right? He flies around the two the, the two demons, fighting off their minions and doing all this stuff, and he merges their mystical forms. Wait, like, what? not fully, but, like, basically, he kind of explains that, like, both these guys are manifestations of um, the earliest, like, primeval concepts of evil, Right? Because they're crazy ancient demon guys, right? And their physical forms are have been molded and affected by the unconscious desires of the earliest human worshippers straight through to today. It's sort of like how 
Agamotto presented himself as um, a caterpillar less because he actually looks like a caterpillar and more because of Doctor Strange's understanding of Alice in Wonderland and sort of manifesting him through his like sort of knowledge and beliefs in that way, you know? So, because... Oh. So, okay. Okay? <laughs> Kinda. But so basically... <laughs> He's, he, um, both Mephisto and Satanish fill a similar role as sort of this figure of ultimate evil, so they have a similar genesis in the concepts of primeval evil. <laughs> if that make, if, if if you can p- figure that out, so basically he can just Doctor Strange can do some fancy magic stuff and make it so that these two guys will start to merge. Like their demonic, all the demonic evolution they've done can be undone, sort of merging them back into sort of one big evil amoeba kind of thing. So Strange casts this spell basically to force Mephisto and Satanish to leave Earth and go to their respective dimensions. Because if they hang out too long um, fighting each other, then they'll merge and then neither of them will exist. So basically, um... You know, on the internet, oh boy! sometimes parents try to get kids to stop fighting by making them wear one big shirt, like the get-along shirt, basically? Yeah, yeah. That's this is what, basically this, what he's doing here. This is it? what Doctor Strange is threatening. If you guys don't stop uh, fighting, then you're going to merge and become one being in a silly t-shirt, and I'm going to put a picture of it on the internet. <laughs> this works. <laughs> And they leave, and they they go leaving Mordo and Sarah Wolf's spirit, uh, spirits uh, sphere behind, allowing Mordo and um, Sarah Wolf to return to their bodies. Mordo, retu- Mordo returns. It begins a um, a spell of annihilation, and Doctor Strange punches him right in the face before he can um, complete the spell, which is pretty solid. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, so, hey, Victory yeah. Strange, we've beaten these demon guys. Uh, Mordo's been, um, restrained. Like, you know, he's in, uh, he's in, he, he's in the prison in the basement of the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is good times. And hey, it's good time, and you know, happy, to, and you know, Doctor Strange success. What better way to do than just, uh, than for Doctor Strange than to um, go for a walk briefly on the streets of New York City. As he does, he's noticed instantly. (laughs) People being like, hey, isn't that Doctor Strange? Well, I thought he's dead. It says so right here in this magazine. Wait, in a magazine? Doctor Strange grabs this magazine from from these tourists by the hoary hosts of Hogoth. And we see a cover story about Doctor Strange on the cover of Now Magazine, a J. Jonah Jameson production. Uh-oh. Morgana Blessing is told all in a new biography of Doc. Uh-oh. Oh, all this dirty laundry and special secrets. What'll happen? We'll find out next week. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we quickly go to the Book of, of, of Ashanti, the Mortal Chronicles Part 3, Roy Thomason, RJM Lossifer, writers, Tom Sutton artist, Joe Rosen letterer, Max Shield colorist, Ralph Macho editor, Tom Falco editor in chief. Just to kind of see adult Mordo doing stuff, there's a kind of funny part where um, <laughs> there's like 
a lady walking the streets of of uh, Transylvania of uh, Mordo's city of Varf uh, uh, Mandra, and she gets attacked by Dracula. And Mordo shows up, and he's like, "Hey, Dracula! Like, come on, buddy, get your own Transylvanian village to eat from." Hey, Dracula, man. I thought we talked about this. And Dracula's like, hey, I'm Count of Transylvania. Um, you're the you're just a baron, I outrank you. And where it's like, come on, dude. <laughs> There's towns all over the place. Besides, he needs this virgin for sacrificing. <laughs> <laughs> and then he sacrifices this lady <laughs> that he saved from Dracula. <laughs> Transylvania's terrible, dude. <laughs> so no, it's- don't don't go to like late eighties uh, Transylvania. It's just bad time. <laughs> late eighties Transylvania's got a very high instance of like being killed if you're like a virgin um, uh, peasant lady. It's just it's just bad times. Yep. Just don't do it. A- anyhow, uh, the rest of this is basically uh, Mordo checking out. From what I can understand, um, Mordo's dad was trying to get mystical abilities from the Queen of the Gypsies. And successfully did, I guess, and had a daughter. And then that daughter has like a, a daughter, a, a daughter of her own, basically. Uh-huh. Who is now the? Uh, um, or sorry, has a granddaughter, and the granddaughter is the current queen of the gypsies and the keeper of the book of Cagliostro, who, which we'll recall from the uh, Sisseneg arc, right? Yes. When I went back in time and saw the creation of the galaxy and, and stuff. And that was when Mordo managed to trick um, the Queen of the Gypsies into getting the book of, of Cagliostro from her. So there's a little bit more backstory about that. And we basically find out that, like, also this Queen of the Gypsies was Mordo's, like, niece, I want to say. So that kind of adds you know? an, an air of creepy of, of extra creepiness onto the story. Yeah, because... Uh... Like he's being weirdly intimate with uh, this girl. Who yeah, they're lovers. Um, and then he basically kicks her to the curb and steals her magic book. So like, he didn't just have like a relationship with his niece. He like then like was also a bad boyfriend to her, which is like even worse, frankly. <laughs> or wait, I don't know if it's. I, it, it's weird. Um, uh huh. But then, anyhow, he's got the. Broke a Cagliostro, and that leads to the uh, to the Sisseneg or Ark. So we're caught up with Mordo, basically. Good times. <laughs> sure. Okay. So anyhow, Drew, that's the comics for this week. Uh, I would say that yeah, these are some good comics. There's some. I mean, this was a fun arc with the demons and stuff. It actually really reminded me of. Um, there's this one Constantine Constantine arc or a Hellblazer arc, I guess. They kind of do it in the in the uh, Keanu Reeves movie, where basically at one point Constantine got uh, lung cancer, mm. and the way that he uh, and like it was really aggressive, and he was like going to die really quickly from it, and so he basically sold his soul to like three different to, to, to the three main lords of hell without e- any of them knowing it. So when the time came to claim his soul when he died of the cancer, they were basically like, oh, like, we can't, um, like, he sold his soul to all of us, and we have to collect in the contract or we'll look weak. But to do so would basically cause this huge war in hell. So instead of dealing with that, we'll just cure his cancer so he won't be dead, and then we'll figure it out later. All right. 
So it was, a, it was a kind of a similar thing of sort of trying to get um, power by selling your soul to multiple demons and then dealing with the political fallout from that, which I think is pretty cool. Right. Um, you know, we've been, we've been making a lot of jokes this episode, which I think is fun. Um, they make a lot, a, there's a lot of jokes in these <laughs> issues, way more than I'm used to from Doctor Strange. Like, I sort of stopped calling him out after the first is- issue, but he, like, is wise. He's basically, like, just shy of Spider-Man levels of wisecracks in his fights these days. Yeah, it uh, is getting pretty, uh, pretty jokey in this series. I mean, and, like, it's more... I don't mind that in theory. Like, I'm, I, you know, I'd be a wisecracker. But it's a big change of characterization from Doctor Strange is usually very serious... And you know, yeah. does the uh, does the cries to the gods things and stuff like that? You know, it's gonna. I feel like Thomas is gonna. The Thomases are gonna course correct a little bit as time goes by, but it's definitely very n- noticeable in this re- in, in at, at the start of their work in this comic, and sort of something to keep an eye out for for sure. All right, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, Jackson Grease is a really like man. He's just drawing these. He's drawing these lady characters. And Rintra, I want to say, in a very exploitative way. That's very, like, also a big change for Doctor Strange, to be honest. No kidding. Like, they're very, like, oh, like, hey, that's, like, a pretty lady in a way that hasn't really been happening in Doctor Strange up until this point, I'd say. Yeah. Or alternately, hey, that's a very muscular um, green minotaur guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like there's a full-on like rintra behind in this um in the in, in this issue that's like wow that's like just a butt um, you know what that i mean definitely a green butt. <laughs> yeah all right anyhow if you'd like to contact the podcast i'd love to hear from you you can send me an email at stranger by the dust at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook or Instagram at Stranger by the Dozen or on Twitter at Stranger by the Twelve at Stranger by the One Two or on our podcast network site at Cradleline.com during the week. I'll post a bunch of images from these issues so you too can check out uh, Rinter's Behind um, or just these ladies in general as well as sweet demon pictures. Really in favor of that. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or any podcasting app. Tune in next week as we see the fallout from Morgana's tell-all magazine article. Doctor Strange comes under attack as part of the Acts of Vengeance storyline, which is a Marvel-wide event where basically um, people who aren't your normal... who aren't a superhero's normal villains attack him. So we'll see um, both... Enchantress and Hobgoblin attack Doctor Strange. Then we'll join Doc and Rintra for some Sorcerer Apprentice type hijinks. We'll travel to the Old West with Nick Fury and Dum Dum Dugan, which is going to be super awesome. And oh, yeah. <laughs> then we'll meet Stephen Strange's long lost brother, Victor, who is a Galdern vampire. Um. <laughs> Uh, Morbius, the living vampire, will also show up and we'll get some in-depth tales of the Darkhold as well as at least three more Cheesecake Rintra pictures. Aw, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, faithful listener, I say, in the end, it was Dormammu to whom Mordo's blasphemous dedication was made. Until that moment, redemption was still possible for him, despite the satanic conditions of his birth and upbringing. But with that blood sacrifice, he took for his own the mantle his mother and grandsire had woven, 
they would have been proud had they lived. My name is Conrad. For my co-host Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path. <laughs>